It's been a rainy winter here in California. It's really put a crimp in our riding schedule. The stalls are a muddy mess. The horses are a muddy mess. And every time we thought about riding, a storm would roll through. So instead of riding, I spend way too much time on the internet looking at other people riding or browsing through products or tack or just about anything to do with horses. Hi, I'm John Hare, and you found the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship, the safe place to be horse crazy. While it's been a wet winter here, it's been terribly cold in many parts of the country. Yes, we've had to deal with muddy stalls, but we haven't had to deal with frozen water pipes or icy water troughs. In rambling through the World Wide Web, I came across the horse drinker, and it got me to thinking how good we have it most of the time here in California. The horse drinker has this cool design that allows livestock to drink, then drains the water away. The result is cooler water in the blazing hot summer months and no frozen tanks or water lines in the winter months, and it's all done without electricity. As the rest of the country starts to thaw out, I thought you might want to check this out. I contacted the Bar Bar A, the makers of the horse drinker, who then connected me with Buck Strayhorn, horseman, trainer, and spokesman for the company. Buck was kind enough to take time to talk with me from his home in northern Utah. He explains the horse drinker much better than I do. So let's get right to my conversation with Buck Strayhorn about the Bar Bar A horse drinker. Good morning, everyone. We're speaking with Buck Strayhorn from northern Utah. Good morning, Buck. How are you doing today? Hey, it's good to be with you, John. Uh, I, uh, it's a nice morning here in, in uh, Utah and uh, look forward to talking with you. You know, we talk about all kinds of things on the Woe podcast about horses, and today we're going to be talking about horse and livestock waterers. Tell us, Buck, how'd you get involved with horses, and how did you come across the horse drinker? I uh, got involved with this company uh, because I was a horse owner, have been for years, uh, always wanted a horse when I was a kid, I never got one, and I know there are tons of people like that that their dream was to have a horse and when they got a little bit older by golly they satisfied that dream by buying a horse and and I was very much like that years and years ago bought a horse uh had a friend that uh had a company that watered horses and uh-huh. another friend an acquaintance that got involved with that company and he shared with me uh how how this system worked they call it the bar bar a horse drinker now, when I got my first horse, uh, Buck, we just had an old, uh, we had an old bathtub. We filled it up with water, and the horse drank drank from that. Uh, isn't that really all we needed? Or well, it is. When you first start with horses, I mean, I was, you know, I had a horse. Uh, my budget was on a shoestring. Because of that, I bought an old watering tank, and that's how you get started in horses. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and that's just how we do it. It's not the most efficient way to water, but when you're on a, a tight budget, you do what you have to do. Uh, when you water in a tank, it, of course, it grows algae, and it has a bad taste. It's bitter to the horse. And then in the winter, you got to fight the ice that comes. Right. Not to mention when you're filling that darn tank up. I don't. I can't tell you how many times I filled that tank up and forgot to turn the water <laughs> off. And I came back and it was just a, in the, in the winter time, it was just an ice rink. And I'm laughing because I've done that so many times. I, 
I promise myself I'm going to stand here until it fills up and then my mind goes off someplace and before I know it, I two hours later, I'm going, oh man, I left the hose on. <laughs> yeah, it happens to all of us, but I, I don't want to uh, make any good listener out there feel ashamed of having a tank. It's appropriate. It's fine. Uh, there may be come a time when resources loosen up a bit that you're able to, to move up a little bit and water automatically and not just automatically, but in the most effective way that you can water automatically. And I hope that maybe we can talk about that later on, but, uh, I always loved horses. Uh, I loved training. My first started training horses when I was a teenager I was so desperate that I told this lady I would come train her horses or attempt to train her horses. She says, fine, I'll pay you 50 cents an hour. Well, what ended up happening was I was shoveling manure all day long. That was my training horses. And so <laughs> uh, I didn't get as much training there as I hope, hoped for. But you can tell the intent of my heart because I stayed there because I wanted to train so badly. Right. How many horses do you have today? I've got three horses. They're all quarter. Well, yeah, both of them are quarter horses. I do have a another horse that we just brought on the place. I I am the what you want to call the the resident horse trainer for Bar Bar A. I train their horses. I, I test the unit out on the horses, and uh, we've just started making different videos on horse training and also watering techniques and. We just have a few out there, but this summer there'll be quite an addition to what, what's out there. There's, there's, I think there's one or two Buck Strayhorn videos out there, but I will be uh, with the company coordinating a lot of really fun videos that people will like. One that's coming up is uh, an acquaintance we have of a little girl that's deathly uh, allergic to horses, and she found a hypergenic horse or a non a horse that's not doesn't give out allergens to right. people, and we'll be doing a little special on that horse because uh, I know there's a lot of people that love would love to have a horse, but they can't because uh, they're allergic to the darn things. Huh. Well, this is an option for people like that. They can buy this breed of horse and find out uh, really they're beautiful horses, and and you'll see the horse. It's a beautiful horse. And uh, anyway, look forward to that. It'll be fun. Sounds like a great story. Well, tell us a little bit about the Barbare horse drinker. What what makes that special? Well, uh, I know the company. I know the history of the company because I've, I've known the principals for many years. Uh-huh. The inventor of the Barbare, his name was Frank. He's still alive. His name's Frank Frodsham. He's about 85, 86 years old now. But Mm-hmm. He had an automatic horse water that was electrified. In other words, it had to have electricity to keep it from freezing in the winter. He had a horse in one of his pens that was getting deathly sick. He just couldn't figure out what was going on. And so he had the vet come over and the vet said, I can't find anything wrong with your horse. You know, I've done all these tests on it. I'm here. I've been here two or three hours. I cannot find anything wrong. Well, they were just getting ready to leave and the the veterinarian's assistant put her hand in the automatic horse water and got shocked. And the horse had not been drinking, was dehydrated, and that was was all the problem. Well, Frank decided that that would never happen again. He's an old cowboy that has all kinds of ideas how to fix this and fix that. And so he went to work in the back of his barn, and he came up with 
what is known today as the Barbary horse drinker. The main, the main secret of this is Frank didn't want to have electricity to keep the units from going. It had to be a non-electric unit. He didn't want electricity on his place anymore that could hurt an animal. Uh-huh. And so he devised a system that there wouldn't ever have to be any standing water. Because if you don't have standing water, then you don't have to keep it, the water thawed. Oh. And so the the brilliant uh, child of this that came from this was that he developed a system that after the horse drank, the water would return to the ground and totally uh, leave the drinking bowl. So there wouldn't be anything to freeze. Uh, there wouldn't be any algae growth. There wouldn't be any rodents coming, drinking from the water and, and birds spreading disease and mosquitoes, you know, with West Nile and and Zika virus, those things, uh, we don't enhance uh, the opportunities for that to come on our place. And and that's really the secret of the Barbary horse drinker is there's no standing water. And because of that, uh, when the water comes up, it comes from underground. It's like a frost-free hydrant, works very much like a frost-free hydrant. When the horse requests water, in the summer, it comes up and it's it's very cool, and it, and they drink more because it's satisfying. It's cool, and in the in the winter, when they request water, it comes up and it's warmer, because it's not this brutal, cold, frigid temperature of the outdoors. It came from underground, so it's warmer. So they're drinking more, and when they drink more, John, they're healthier because they don't get dehydrated. Their organs all function right. Their skin is all moist and and in its prime and their joints their joints are all lubricated so they don't hurt and don't you know when a horse hurts they'll they'll give you problems when you're on the saddle because it hurts proper hydration is so important to training a horse and having a horse perform at its peak now we don't have the the freezing problem here in california as much as you do in utah yeah, I imagine it gets pretty cold there, but we do have the West Nile virus and the the mosquito population, and we've even had the mosquito abatement people come by and put little minnows in our in our water trough because they needed to keep those those uh, mosquitoes down. And I can imagine that 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 does something to the taste of the water. Oh, absolutely. They it makes the the water taste bitter, and it's just not as palatable. For the horse, and if something's not as palatable, you know that as you eat something or drink something, if it, if it doesn't taste good, you really don't drink that much of it, or you only drink the minimum right. requirement. Yeah, for our good California friends, uh, this unit uh, is for you too, because uh, nobody wants to go out there and scrub tanks, scrub the algae, and dump the dump the your water tanks, and worry so much about West Nile virus. We uh, here at the Barbaré, a number of years ago, we had the mosquito abatement people come. They came all over the place because the West Nile virus was starting to hit. They were finding mosquitoes everywhere around the other farms around our facility. They came to our facility, and they were just flabbergasted. They couldn't find a mosquito, and simply because there was no standing water. Right. And, and they, they, they were just so amazed they 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 couldn't believe it but then they found out what was going on they oh okay well that makes sense but 
it, it can really be a, an asset for people in climates that are not so cold, such as California, Florida. In Bakersfield, where I'm at, it gets, you know, it gets 105 in the summertime. And that water just, uh, you can just tell it just turns green in, in just a couple of days if I'm not scrubbing it out all the time. And then the amount of water that that takes with our the drought we're just coming out of, kind of tough to, to take the hose out there and then scrub that water bucket out just to get the algae, only to have it come back a couple of days later. That's true. And then and we had some good customers down in Tucson, Arizona, that uh, are always uh, shouting praises of the Barbara because that water is so cool. And they, they were so used to water tanks that they'd go out there in this 110, 115, even 120 degree weather. The water was just so hot. And the horses, they just don't drink that much. And they get dehydrated, and, and especially in the wintertime for the colder climate. They don't want to drink that cold, cold, frigid water. Right. And uh, that's a lot of colicking goes, goes on in the winter just because they're not drinking enough. Any idea on how much water a horse needs to drink a day? Well, it's a lot more than people think. I can tell you that, John. Uh, you take an average, uh, you know, a, let's say a 1,200-pound horse. Mm -hmm. His minimum requirements, just the minimum, just to keep from not dying, he needs four gallons. Now, he, he should have uh, between six and eight gallons a day. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of water. That is a lot of water. And, it, and if he has to fight the cold, the ice, uh, bad-tasting water, or if there's even, uh, you know, if it gets run off from other dominant uh, animals, you know, he can be in severe problems by not drinking enough. And it can cause all kinds of problems in the training arena that you, people don't even think about. Their organs don't function properly, and it, it just really is is important for horses to drink uh, the proper amount of water it is for people you know that doctors say that 80 percent of humans are dehydrated just because they don't drink enough because we don't drink enough they wouldn't water. need they wouldn't they wouldn't need so much medicine and prescription drugs if they just drank the water and so well, you know one quick test john uh you know some people say well how in the world can i tell if my horse is drinking enough yeah how do, well, how do we tell buck you, you can um, you can put a meter on our units if you want. A lot of some people have, uh -huh. but usually just the best way to tell if a horse is drinking enough is you can do a really quick what we call a skin pinch test. And what you do is just just kind of pinch your horse's skin. You can do it over the shoulder, over the eye, or over the neck, uh -huh. and gently twist that skin. And it should take. And if you can time it. It shouldn't take any longer than two seconds for that skin to go back right the way it was. Now, if it stays longer than two seconds in a pinched position or even a partially pinched position, that horse is dehydrated. They need to get some water in him. Also, you can you can do what they call the stick test, and that's uh, it's not as as pleasant, I guess. But you just take a stick, and when when one of your horses has just uh, had a bowel movement. You stick that tet, that stick into the dropping. When you pull the stick out, it should retain that shape. In other words, if it just flows back in, then you know he's got he's getting a little too much grain, or he's he's got a little bit of diarrhea. 
but a healthy dropping, they won't have, uh, it'll hold the shape and it won't be dry. Got it. Also, you know, is your horse eating enough? Sometimes horse, horses won't eat enough because they don't have enough water. And when their water consumption goes down, well, guess what? So does their feed consumption. So it's harder to maintain weight on them. Yep. So if you if your horses, you see a little bone on the horse and you know, golly, I'm feeding that horse. With, and then you go out there and there's still quite a bit of hay and it's good hay. Then it's a very good possibility that your horse isn't drinking enough because his body knows he can't process that dry food without the water to break it down. Now the bar the Barbary uh, horse drinker it sits a it sits a little bit up up off the ground. All the water drains out of it. So when the horse walks up to it, he kind of looks down. He doesn't see water in there, does it? Do they have a problem uh, figuring out how to get a drink out of it? That's that's correct, John. They when they walk up to the unit, there's absolutely no water. Now when we train a horse here at the Barbary. It generally takes about 15 minutes for them to figure it out. And how we do it is we'll bring the horse over. And some of these horses have never had an automatic water. They've been on, on a tank water their whole life. And we spring them over and we uh, push down on the paddle. There's a little paddle there that the horse pushes down on. Mm-hmm. The water comes up and get your hand wet and just rub that horse's nose with the water. And that's literally all there is into training that horse. Now the horse knows he smelled the water and where it comes from, and he knows there's water in there. And so what happens is when that horse gets thirsty, your job is done at that point. When he gets thirsty, he goes over, and he knows the water came from that that basin. And so he's going to search for it, and when he searches for it, he pushes as far as he can into the hole because he's trying to find that water. Well... When he does that, he inadvertently pushes the paddle, uh-huh. and the water comes up. Now, when, when that water comes up that first time, and the horse has never had that happen before, they, it's, kinda, it's a little bit startling because they, they weren't expecting it. Right. But then after they get that first jump over with, then they go back, and they, they know it's going to make a little noise and not to worry. It's not going to hurt them. And then they start drinking. And then they know it's going to be cool in the summertime, and... And warmer in the wintertime, so they're they're looking for it then. Well, they know that what they're tasting, they like. Right. Uh, we've had people that even had uh, streams that were on the property, and they would travel all the way to the other pasture, sometimes two or three miles, to get a drink oh. from from the Barbara because it was so much better tasting and and better temperature. And and this works for cattle, cattle and sheep, goats, llama. I mean, they, they all catch on very quickly. Are, are the units the same no matter what the animal is? The units are basically the same. Mm-hmm. The sheep and llama have a little bit different paddle to uh, manage their psychology. Their, their thinking is a little bit different than a horse and a cow. Uh-huh. In what way? They're a little bit more passive than than a horse or a cow. A cow is even a little more passive than a horse. Mm-hmm. The sheep, goats, and llama are even more so. And mm-hmm. so we have what we've done with that paddle is extended it because the habit of a, a goat or a sheep is to, if someone else, if one of their other companions understand how to use it, the others will drink the residual water 
around the paddle. And then they'll put their snout down on the side of the paddle and they'll drink. And when that water's gone, then that's all they get. And so what we've done with the sheep units is we have closed that gap so that they can't drink around the, the paddle. They have to push that paddle down. They can see the water. They can smell the water down there. And they have to push that paddle, and and that's how they learn how to do it. Now we we have some horses, probably I would say two, maybe three, out of a hundred horses, two or three percent, need some help learning how to use these units. And for those horses, in the springtime to the fall, you can we have what's called a a, a beginner's device or a, a training device on there that makes it so that there is standing water in the unit. It's very easy to to change to that setting. And so when a horse comes up or the cow comes up, there's already water in the unit, and they just learn from there, and they learn very quickly. And then when it starts to freeze, you set it back to drain mode. I like that because, well, you know, good half the country anyway has some freezing temperatures, I'm sure. And you've been able to accomplish the not freezing part without the use of electricity, uh, being a Californian, like I said, I don't really, I've never dealt with a, a freezing water trough, so I don't know, you know, what all that havoc that will wreak. But not having to have to plug something in in the wintertime and having the wires all, all the way out in the pasture or, or electricity out there, this sounds, seems like a, a great ad, advantage to not have, to not using any electricity at all. Yes. Now, you do have to get uh, for the folks that uh, have a well, you do have to have electricity to get the unit or get the water to the unit. Right. But after you get the water to the unit, then we take over from there. Don't need to heat the water with electricity. But yes, most of the country uh, really fights the problem of freezing water. It's a major, major hassle. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid having to take hundreds of feet of hose out to the watering tank and always fighting that hose to keep it from freezing and sawing hoses out. And then after you get done with that 100-foot hose, you got to drain all the water from that hose so that the next time you water, it's not frozen. And uh, it's, so it's a big, big problem for people in the country, most of the country, uh, to keep their things from freezing. When I came across your uh, website, I was reading some of the the articles on their very informative website are, by the way, there was the story about the horse that stuck his nose in there and and got a, kind of electrocuted or electrical shock. And then there was also a little video about a man who was reached down to kind of rinse his hands off in the water trough and felt a little electrical tingle. But then I was interested to learn that there might be you know just a slight electrical charge that a human couldn't feel but is enough to make the horse not want to drink out of that, that water at all. And, you know, we all know how sensitive horses are. It doesn't have to be much of a, of an electrical current for the horse to say, I don't like sticking my nose in there. And that's, that's such a good point. In fact, we're, we're just finishing up a video on that. And what it's, what that's called, John, is called stray voltage. And for you folks in California, that's a real that can be a real problem for anybody, but in California too, where you may not have any any electric devices on your property, 
but you have a neighbor that's got some sort of electric device and that stray voltage can travel down your fence line or even in the ground and come up in through your water tank and electrify your water tank. That's called stray voltage and it's a real thing. And this customer that we have, and you'll be seeing a video on this shortly, she kept her horses kept getting shocked. She originally bought the the heating elements to put in there. Mm-hmm. And she thought they she thought they were shocking her animals. And she brought the people that sold them to her. They did all sorts of extensive tests. They brought the electric company out, out and they said there is no electricity in this. She ended up unplugging those things, not even using them. But she still had horses that would when they put their nose in that water would pull back quickly. Huh. What was happening is some stray voltage was coming from a neighbor's property up into that tank and shocking her animals. The electric company said, okay, here's how you tell, tell if there's any water in there, or any not water, but any electricity in there. You hold onto the fence pipe, put your other hand in the water, see if you get shocked. And she said, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a dummy. It wasn't raised yesterday. So anyway, eventually she found out about the non-electric uh, Barbary horse drinkers, and she never had a problem since. And she's so anti-electricity that she would never put uh, an electric unit on her place again. Uh, we we had just a few years ago a good, good uh, lady that had a therapeutic riding facility for the handicapped. Uh-huh. It such, does such marvelous work for for the handicapped by helping them ride. And she had seven, six horses. And one morning she went out to the barns to get things ready. And every horse was dead. Goodness. Every one of them. And what happened is she had, she had some automatic electric horse waters and one of them sorted out Uh and electrified, electrified the barn. And Really, the the miracle of of this was that when she went out the door, for some reason, she had an impression to put on some gloves. She never, she says, I never put on gloves. Uh But she said there was some on the washing machine, and they were rubber gloves that she'd had out for some reason. Mm -hmm. She says, I put those rubber gloves on, and I went out, and I touched the barn. And she said, if I hadn't put on those rubber gloves, I'd have been laying dead with my six horses. Oh my God, six horses! Goodness gracious! And so it was quite a tragedy for I can for imagine. her. I, I think the community kind of pulled together and and made some donations to help her get back. But she's not a fan of electricity okay, and, yeah. and heating watering units for horses. So that brings up a good question as far as uh, the number of horses that can the the Barbare drinker support. You have to get one for each horse. Uh, no, uh, one unit will water up to about thirty head. Oh wow! Uh, a lot of there, there are a lot of competitors out there uh, have really good products, mm-hmm. but most of them you have to have at least seven horses drinking from the unit for them to be able to not freeze. Now the Barbar A, you don't have to have any horses to drink. You have it just set over winter and it's because there's there's no water, there's no, water and no standing water. The competitors, like I said, they're good good folks. I don't want to run any of them down because I I like them all. Uh-huh. But they have standing water. The standing water has 
some of those that are non-electric has to be refurbished quite often or it will freeze. Uh, not to mention that you still have to clean out the algae in, the, in them all the time. So you buy an automatic water and then you still have to, have to do a lot of chores to, to maintain it. Sounds like a pretty good deal, Buck. You, you don't have any standing water in there, so you, you don't have a heater that has to be maintained. What kind of maintenance do you have to do on this unit? About the only maintenance, uh, we have a little piece of equipment inside the unit that has to be changed about every three years. Mm-hmm. And it wear it just wears out. It's it's very not expensive at all. It's easy to change. You just unscrew it like a light bulb and put a new one in. And there's a filter in there that can be cleaned every so often if if you need to. If you got a horse that's really uh, puts a lot of grain or a lot of uh, hay into the unit, it can be cleaned very simply. But really, these are designed to be maintenance free. Frank designed these so that it wouldn't be a big inconvenience for the the owner to have to, I mean, if you're going to have something automatic, it should be automatic. It should be automatic. A lot of of maintenance. And so it's a very simple design. It's it's, simplicity really is at the heart of being a genius. The more simple something is, the more ingenious the product is. And that's kind of how how he designed this. How long ago did Frank uh, invent this product? Uh, this product was invented about in the early 80s is when the concept, 1980s, is when the concept came to be. So nearly 40 years. And do you still have any of those early units in service? Uh, there are some of those earlier units. One, really? Uh, one, one for sure is still up in Canada. Wow. In a really, really cold climate up in Canada. And there there are others who just don't hear about them. But I know that one's for sure still in still working. But the nice thing about these units is that you can keep them working pretty well indefinitely because if something goes out on you, everything is replaceable. And it's kind of modular, so to speak. So if this were to wear out after 10 years, you can replace it. And and Mm -hmm. most of the parts are are not real expensive. So Yeah, you did keep it very simple. I, I watched the installation video and I noticed that, well, it's buried into the ground and then but you do not have to unbury it to to service the unit. That's right. Yeah, you never have to dig them up uh, because everything is accessible. You can pull all the inner workings out to the top of the ground for servicing. And that's really unique in, in this industry. Yes. Well, usually when you bury something, it's something goes wrong, well, out goes the backhoe. Right. It's not so here. <laughs> you just pull the inside up, and it's pretty easy to diagnose. Those that work on the phones here at Barbara are very good at helping people diagnose some problem that they can't figure out and come to a quick solution. So, yeah, you're right. It's Everything does come up to the top for servicing, and, and that's really one of the, the wonders of the unit that Frank came up with. He wanted to be able to service the unit without digging it up, and that's how he, he came across the solution was everything comes up for servicing. I imagine that the Bar Bar A's been around for 40 years. They've gotten some some really good stories about how their waters have worked in service uh, by testimonials. Have you got any good stories? Oh, there's just tons of them. They, they come in all the time and from all over the world. We don't have a lot of units out of, we have a lot in Canada, but 
I'm thinking of one story that the principals of this company showed me a number of years ago about uh, a lady in in Norway that her husband uh, had cancer and she was Mm -hmm. left with all these children and all the farm chores while her husband was sick in bed, really awaiting to to pass on the way he's time out because he, he had terminal cancer. And she had to do it all by herself. She was quite a ways out in the boonies, and so didn't have a lot of help. So someone way over there found out about, they must have gone on horsedrinker.com and found out about the unit. And she ordered one and installed it. And she wrote back a number of letters saying, thank you, thank you. It's the only way that I could could do a lot of the chores that my husband did. You know, your your units did the chores for me for watering. Because wow. all I had to do was feed. And uh, anyway, she was just very gracious and, and very thankful for that in her life. But they come in all the time. One phrase that is very common is that I've never bought a product that when someone says that it'll do this, it actually 100% does it. Pretty cool. So if people want to find out more about the Barbare horse drinker, uh, where shall we send them? Well, uh, if, it's very simple. They can just uh, go on the website and they can, they can Google uh, Barbare horse drinker uh-huh. or horse drinker. But the, our website address is www.horsedrinker.com. Okay. We basically own the word horse drinker all over the Internet. And we have for years because awesome. we have that that website horse drinker we we actually kind of made made that term up horse drinker and it's become a label that people use for automatic waterers horse drinkers so right. it's interesting how how words evolve it's kind of like uh the xerox company it used to be you know go xerox this or go xerox that. right right you know, they, they invented invented that word and we've done the same thing with horse drinker which we're proud of great well, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, Buck. Uh, got some really good information, taught a lot of people about horses and water and, and how, how to do it the best way. Thanks for having me on the show, John. It's been a pleasure. Look forward to talking to you again. Sounds good. Thanks, Buck. Well, that'll do it for another show. If your livestock watering was a hassle this winter, Maybe now would be a good time to check out the Bar Bar A Drinkers before you have to go through it all over again next year. Stop by horsedrinker.com and check it out. Thanks to Buck Strayhorn for sharing his information. Need more? You can join our mailing list at wolpodcast.com. Every Friday, I'll send you a quick tip, something you can do to build a better relationship with your horse with just a few minutes practice. Need even more? Check out our other episodes. There are a whole bunch of them on woepodcast.com. You can also find a link to our YouTube channel about our life with horses, dogs, cats, cows, and travel. Some are helpful. Some I hope you'll get a giggle out of. Subscribe to the Woe Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and you'll never miss an episode. Take us along when you ride or have chores to do. Woe Podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I know, sounds like we're taking over the world. I want to continue the Wish I Knew Then series for a few weeks. What do you know now about horses that you wished you knew way back when? 
Do you have some special tip or a story about your horse? We've set up a Google Voice number for you. Tell us your first name and where you live. And of course, we want to know the name of your horse. Here's the number, 661-368-5530. That's 661-368-5530. It's not toll free. We're a low budget show, you know. Your voice will be recorded and I'll throw your tip, trick, and tales to our hundreds of other horse owners who would love to hear it. Prefer email? Send them to john at woepodcast.com. The world of podcasting is trying to expand. HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime all cost money. But you know what are free? Podcasts. I know you knew that already, but many others don't. Spread the word. March is podcasting month. Find someone you care about or even just the person riding next to you on the trail and tell them about podcasting. Tell them about our podcast or someone else's podcast. Tell them they are free. Tell them how to get and hear a podcast. And then tell them podcasts are awesome. Get them to try one. Thanks again for listening to the show and sharing this podcast with your friends and riding buddies. So until next time, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.